We're in Corinthians 3, 1 to 21. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the passage ahead of time. We'll read it consistently. But the Apostle Paul is basically saying, grow up, baby, okay? And not like, hey, baby, like infant, all right? So let's listen to this. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. And why? why look, at, look at this. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, and you are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. And I think this one's a little smaller. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor, for we are co-workers of God, of, in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. I want to come back to just that first uh, part where he says, um, you're infants. And then he says, look at that. He says, uh, verse 3, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you. Have you ever, you ever thought about that? Like, our ability to get along with one another is a huge part of our growing up in Jesus Christ. That's why, you know, they, they talk about in, in the business world, they talk about um, IQ. You've heard about IQ. People say, oh, he's got a very big IQ. I'm sure David's got a big one up there. Anyway, and, uh, but, but then they started talking about EQ, emotional intelligence. Because there's people with big IQs that don't have big EQs. And EQs is the ability to navigate relationships and go through difficulties without being completely torn up, blown apart. You have the ability to weather storms, and you're sort of like the, you know, that little punching clown thing that kids have. You know, you knock it down, and then it comes back up. And the Apostle Paul wasn't talking about their intelligence. He was talking about how they handled things emotionally. And he's saying, you're jealous and you're fighting. I remember doing uh, marriage counseling one time with a medical doctor and, a, and an author and theologian. And we had met over a number of times, but this one was so wild. All of a sudden, I saw sitting before me two junior hires fighting. And I thought, oh my gosh, I know that's me sometimes. Did you ever see yourself revert to very early patterns of behavior? And the Apostle Paul would look at you and go, you know, we, you're an infant. And, and the fact is, is that we don't really change until we see where we are. Does that make sense? 
I mean, when we lie to ourselves and go, no, I'm, I'm full grown, you know, and then cuss the other person out, I'm, I'm just mad at you because you're not going to change, so I'm going to act like a child because it's all your fault. I mean, we do this weird kind of stuff, don't we? We justify acting like children based upon somebody else's behavior. Raise your hand if you've never done it. I can't raise my hand either. That's what I love about the Bible. Because he's not saying, you, you know, he deals with other sins later, but he's saying, look, you guys are in factions. You're following this person or that person. You're judging. You're, you're um, acting, acting like somehow I, 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 I. And Apostle Paul says, grow up. Grow up and realize that it's God who gives the growth. You're leaning into the wrong person and place to grow. You're not going to grow leaning into the Apostle Paul. You're not going to grow leaning into identifying with, with Apollos. You're, you're, you're not going to grow because you believe some wacky philosophy. You're going to grow when you lean into God because he's the one that gives growth. He follows this with this, this idea, and he builds this on the, the last chapters, if you've been reading along with us in Corinthians. He talks about two kinds of wisdom. It's worldly wisdom and God's wisdom. And, and it basically says that the, the Jesus, not worldly wisdom, builds the church. And the Apostle Paul, you know, I mean, is very concerned about the church. He, and so when we say church, it brings up all this, you know, baggage and history and stuff like that. This was a baby church, guys. And if you lived in Corinth, you really only had one church, you know? You couldn't go to First Baptist, or you couldn't go to the Catholic, and couldn't go down to the Orthodox Church, or the, you know, I, one time I was in, uh, and I still don't know if the guy was joking, but he said, he said there was a, a Baptist church that believed you were supposed to wash people's feet. Because if you read the communion passage, some, some churches still practice foot washing associated with communion. They feel like it's not just communion that Jesus said, continue this, but foot washing. And, th and then they told me there was a church that became convinced of foot washing, and they did it, but they split over which foot to wash first. I'm like, aren't we babies? I mean, why do we do this stupid stuff? Churches argue over colors of carpets. God doesn't care. So let's read this passage. By the grace, now look at that. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Important. If anyone builds on this foundation using silver or gold, silver, costly stone, I've got to switch that one, gold, silver, or costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Tough passage, but 
if you look at this, when he says, I laid a foundation, there's a wise builder, and then someone else came along, and if anyone lays a foundation other than that in Jesus Christ, it's going to be burned up. So he's contrasting, he's building on his concept earlier of wisdom and saying that, saying that, that if you and I, okay, and this is, this, this is a really important passage in Scripture, okay, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and maybe even 10. It, it is by grace we have been saved through faith, right? Not of works so that no one can boast, okay? The Protestant Reformation, you know, you see that. It's not works. You can't work your way into heaven. It's by grace through faith. We know that, right? Do we know that? Most of us know that. But you got to go on because it says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So when you give a special gift towards something, or you buy something for someone, or you volunteer to help with something at the church, or you loan your neighbor your table saw, or whatever it is, these are all good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. And, and to me, it's one of the most exciting things of the Christian faith, because you don't know about them ahead of time. You discover them, and you get to do them, but you can't take credit for them because God prepared them in advance for you to do. So you're like, wow, thank you for that. I didn't know I was going to go to Bolivia. I didn't know I was going to clean disgusting roaches out of stuff and you, you know I mean I, I didn't know I, I, I didn't know but God did and all I had to do was say yes to it that's all you do so here's the thing when you're when you're doing a good work there's there's a worldly way to do it and a gospel way to do it and so, the, and how, well, how do I say that? Okay, let's just take churches in general. And I'm not going to bag on churches that uh, you might think I am. But sometimes we want to say, I want to I market my church. You know, so, I, you know, we're going to find ways to market the church so that we can get the word out about our church. And you, could, you can build your church through marketing. But that's not gospel. Do you know the kind of marketing that built the church? Come on. I used to have one pastor in Tulsa. He said it was called gossiping the gospel. Gossiping the gospel. He would say they just, people just talked about Jesus to their friends. You know the best marketing in the world is word of mouth. It's the way the gospel is supposed to be passed. Word of mouth. Prayer and care. Hey, I saw you had a need. Can I help you? Can I make a meal for you? Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. You, you can build churches through secular means or you can, you know, you can lock into sort of church growth principles, and it is not necessarily wrong with that. But if you're trusting in some other way for God to make disciples rather than the gospel, bringing people to faith in Jesus, 
sharing their lives, inviting them into community, then you're missing the point. You're missing the point. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, he says, Jesus, not worldly wisdom, builds the church. Jesus says, I will build my church, right? And that's what he does. And when we shift our focus to something else, we miss the point. Here's one of my favorite passages in Corinthians we're going to read. And it says, we are God's dwelling place. So look what we have. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. What do you think? How many, how many of you have read your Bible, like cover to cover? Okay. How, how many of you know that God worked in the Old Testament by a tabernacle, okay? He had at first the tent of meeting in Moses, then a tent tabernacle where his presence dwelled. Then Solomon was able to build a temple, if you know a little bit of progression. And the glory of the Lord and the presence of the Lord dwelled there. It was a manifest presence of God. In Jesus' time, they had rebuilt the temple. But then John introduces it and says, Jesus came and he tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. And when he ascended to heaven, he told the church, he told his people to wait for the Holy Spirit. So what is happening in this passage is so exciting. He's saying together when we gather as God's people that we are his temple that we are the very dwelling place of God. That, and some people say, well, why do I need to go to church? I'm going, you're missing out on one of the greatest blessings. And that's why the Apostle Paul's like, why are you guys fighting? You are the, you, together, when you gather, are carriers of the greatest gift. And it's God the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, if you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, if you have never entered into it, you have an opportunity today. Because I think, I think God might even brought you here just for this moment. I had this sense that there's somebody here that today is going to be life-changing for them. And, and it's just, the gospel is so simple. It's God gave his son and he came to this earth, and he lived an example of how we should live. He was fully human. We're all these subhuman, broken, fallen vessels. He was fully human. And he showed us how to live. And he dealt with the greatest problem in the world, and that's sin, that separated us from God and man. And he did that by dying a death on the cross for our sins. And then he says, whoever believes in me, you know, it's, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, I know what I'll be doing later today. And I, do you still see the John 3, 16 people? Do you still see those? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. And this is the gospel. This is what he promises. And it's that simple exchange, just saying, Jesus, forgive me. I have messed up. I've tried to lead my own life. 
And I've denied that I've sinned. I've denied that there's a separation between you and me. And I want to know you. Forgive me and come into my life. When you pray a prayer like that, there's an exchange. It changes the direction of your life. It says that God the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in you. And, and, and so we'll, later on, we'll talk about how we individually are the temple. But that's not the full picture. The full picture is there's something special that happens when we are together. Okay? This passage, it's, it's together we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. So if you prayed that prayer, you, you are part of this, the church of Jesus Christ. So just close your eyes for a minute, and, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to remind you that together we're the temple. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Your same presence I saw come over those little kids as we were praying for them. The presence that came on your church when it was birthed. You tell us to taste and see, God, that you are good, and we say, come Holy Spirit. We welcome you today. We welcome you in our midst. We ask forgiveness, Lord, when we've made church about us. When we've fault found, nitpicked, judged, jealousies, factions. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us. We say, have your way. When we gather, forgive us for just seeing it as a group of humans and not seeing the divine, not seeing your presence. Because you are what makes the church the church. We need you, Lord. You are our God. And we are your people. Let me wrap this up with this last amazing passage from the apostle paul and oops what did i do no not prayer can you back it up back the bus up um so the, he says he said in there i i called it look what we have because the the passage before and i didn't describe this it's like the what what didn't burn up in the wood hey you know gold silver Stone. Those are what the temple was built out of. Those are the things that the Apostle Paul pictured. They, they lasted. The wood, the straw, those things burned up. Works we do in our own flesh, by our own marketing, those are not gospel works. They might make bigger groups or do things, but those get burned up. 
And the picture in that passage was that they, in the rubble, God is drawing this little charred person out of it and going, okay, you made it, but everything burned up around you. And then he talks about the church being this dwelling place of God. And, and then, he, and then he, he, he turns it on his head, and he says, Do not deceive yourself. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or present or future. All are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God. Do you see what he did to them? It's an amazing passage because he's like, how did, how did he do this? Before, they were going like, I... Picture this. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. What do you see? You see a big I. 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 I'm this way. You're that way. And then Paul says, who are Paul? Who are Apollos? And, and then he flips it on the he their head, and he, he says, all this is yours. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't have to fight for petty things. You mean even Paul and Apollos? are mine? Well, how is death yours? How is life yours? How, how is this present world or the future yours? He didn't say, oh, they're gods. He's saying they belong to you. I struggle with this passage the whole time I was on this trip. I was reading this one. I was on the struggle bus. And, and, and what, I, what, what I realized is that they were, they were focusing on the wrong area. They were focusing on themselves and identifying with certain things because they needed this for their identity. And, and I was thinking about when you and I focus on different things. I, I don't know about your brain, but my brain has a tendency to find the negative and not the positive. Does anybody else have one of those nasty brains like that? Like, like uh, I look out my back window, and it's a beautiful yard, but I noticed that my back neighbor had taken the 12 feet of my branches out, and so I can see his TV and stuff, and it always bothers me. And I felt like the Lord say, why do you notice that? Why don't you notice the beauty? Why don't you just shut that part of your brain up, give me thanks, knowing I'm sovereign, I'm going to do something with that situation eventually, and, and just look at the beauty Look at the sunshine. Let gratitude fill your heart. And he does this. He switches on his head and he said, it's not about you individually. You all, church, have all this. You are very small. You're looking at it out of the wrong way. And how do we have it? We have it because we are in Christ and Christ is in God. And and and. God has given us all these things. It's his kingdom. It's his gift. And we fight over the dumbest things. I'll just make one historic remark about our church. We lost people when we got rid of our pews and went to chairs. 
It was $40,000 to recover our pews. We got chairs for the 20s. I'm sorry. Does God care? No. There's churches where people worship under trees. There's churches where people sit on the floor. We got a pad for our parts of us. And, and we fight over it. Why fight over a chair when everything is yours? And those of you who do this in your marriage, nitpick when God has given you all these things, those of you who, who wake up in the morning and see the negative over the positive, and uh, those of you who, 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 who put your focus on the smallest things or the critical places when you don't realize all the gifts that God has given you, you're missing the gospel. Every day we should wake up and say, oh my God, thank you for all you've given me. And maybe you've lost a loved one this year or past year. And you, you know it's so sad and it is so sad. But we have life and death. There's no death with God. Our loved ones didn't die to God. They get to see him. Wow, you know, they died to us. Someday we'll see them. And the present and the future, that, that's all wrapped up in Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega. But it just blew me away. The, the Apostle Paul said, hey, buddy, it's all yours. Here's the keys to the car. What are you complaining about? What are you fighting about? It's all yours. So as we come up for communion, I want you to remind yourself, it's all mine. And I hope there's a repentance. I hope that those of you who have seen this, this part of you that wants to focus on the smallness and the things that are wrong in your life, you, like the Apostle Paul, he's not saying it's about you. He's saying it's all ours. It's ours. And we change our thinking. And gratitude flows because the gospel has given us everything in Christ, in God. I'm going to pray and we'll do communion. We'll wrap the service up. Lord, we want to thank you for giving us so much, so much good works you want us to do. And I, I pray for every one of us here, Lord. There's, there's some of us that are actually infants. We've been fighting, we've been quarreling, and you're telling us to grow up. Just grow up. And, and that's not easy. The part of growing up, Lord, is getting the right focus. It's putting our focus on the amazing gifts that you've given us. And not expecting those gifts and those things to come through a person. But they come to us all together as your church. A marvelous, marvelous passage here. So the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which has been given for you. And in the same way, he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink, and when you do this, remember me. For whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the very death of Jesus until he comes.
We're going to come forward and have uh, communion. You can line up here and then back here. But we have prayer ministry. I just want you to know how amazing prayer ministry is. Those of you who have uh, a physical need, I had this sense that somebody's here, maybe for the first time, and you're supposed to get prayer ministry about a specific situation. The Lord wants to touch you. The Lord wants to do something. So uh, prayer, prayer team people, come on forward first so that you can offer prayer. And we'll be offering prayer off to the side. And then table Lord, the Lord is ready. We're just going to worship for a bit. We're going to take communion. And then we'll give you a blessing. But come to